This is the Sunday for you to be praying. Ordinarily, uh, by the way, welcome to you who think you're in the 8 o'clock service. (laughs) You think the 11 o'clock service is going to be full or what? Yeah, I think so too. (laughs) We got a little Baptist kid back there. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Usually, when I preach, it is a message that God has specifically given me for you. And the result of it is that you will go out as individuals. And no matter whether you have Christian networks in the community or in your family or not, you can somehow carry out what God has given you that Sunday. This message is totally different. And it will feel different to you. It feels different to me. It feels odd to be preaching it. Uh, This message is one that comes by committee, uh, or more than one uh, person hearing from God. That's better. (laughs) Message by committee sounds awful. More than one person hearing from God. Um, It also comes not to you as individuals, but to us as a church family. Now, let me just apologize to you if this is your first Sunday here. I think that you will still get something out of this. I think God will still speak to you, but it will not be as relevant as if you were a part of the group and really know the the track of what's going on. But listen, be included, please. Um, First of all, let me tell you, by the way, if you you haven't caught on by now, we are are fiddling with the sound system here. Please be patient. as a matter of fact, let's, would you pray with me right at the beginning of this message so that we can have all of the help of the Holy Spirit to concentrate on what is to be said rather than on how it is said or how it comes across. Would you pray with me? God, we do pray that you would give us an extra measure of concentration this morning on what you would say to us as individuals and as a church family. We do agree with Duane's prayer about the technicalities. Um, We also know about my own um, feeling of being out of my natural element in communicating a message that is uh, what all of us need to hear instead of just specifically what I've heard. So therefore, please, help us all. Pull us together and teach us what only you can teach us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me first read to you out of 1 Chronicles, uh, chapter 29, before I give you uh, the announcement from the elders and the, um, the steering committee. 1 Chronicles 29, this comes at a time when Israel, for years and years, has been a group of wandering Jews, and God has finally said, I want you to build a house to house the Ark of the Covenant so that you will have a place in which to come and worship me and go out into the world. However, God does not choose David to head up that project. He's a man of war. He chooses his son, Solomon, who is a man of wisdom and a man of peace. Listen to what David says. My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced. And the work is great, for the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. 
Now, with all of my ability, I have provided for the house of my God the gold things for gold and the silver things of silver and so on and so forth. He talks about his personal contribution, what he's going to do. And then he talks to them. And he says, who then is willing, this is verse 5, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Then the rulers of the father's households and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the commanders of thousands and of hundreds with the overseers over the king's work offered, listen to this word, willingly. Now here they go into action. They say, let's do it. Let's do it. Now look at the attitude that they have. Verse 9. Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly. It, it puts you in mind of the verse in the New Testament that says God loves a cheerful giver. And the Greek word means hilarious. One laughing, one joyful. Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also rejoiced gladly. Now he goes into prayer. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. Blessed art thou, O God, the Lord of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty and indeed everything that is in the heavens and the earth. Thine is the dominion, O Lord, and thou hast does exalt thyself over all, head, over all. Now, listen to what he says in verse 14. He is so grateful. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from thee, and from thy hand we have given thee. Now look at verse 16. O Lord our God, all of this abundance that we have provided to build thee a house for thy holy name, it is from thy hand and all is thine. Therefore, they not only have the right action and the right attitude, they have the right attributing process. They attribute it all to God. Now, well, let me start out by saying this. Pliny the Younger, who was the governor of Bithynia, a Roman governor, was not a Christian, Years ago, years ago, wrote to the emperor Trajan, who was persecuting and killing the Christians. And he had in that letter, why do you persecute these Christians? I have sent in spies. And all they do is they assemble late at night or very early in the morning to lift up Christ as God, to pray together, to sing hymns together, and to encourage one another. As I went down that list... All except the last one people could do on their own. And I thought, why would people risk getting together in lieu of just worshiping and lifting up God and reading scriptures and singing hymns on their own when it was at the risk of their lives? And the answer to that is very plain, because there are things that we can do together that we cannot do alone. Now, if you will notice, please... This world is developing the technology to help us more and more to live alone as individuals with the illusion that we are really living together. I don't know how many of you saw the, uh, the article in the paper a couple of days ago about the new computer uh, developmental process that, is, that will help people have a vicarious fantasy fulfilled you even wear, will wear a special suit so that it gives you the illusion 
of having an intimate relationship with someone and you don't have to risk intimacy at all. I would say to you that that is symbolic of how the entire culture is going. They are trying to make it so that we can live life virtually alone. John Donne once said, no man is an island. I disagree. I believe every man and woman is an island. And the only thing that connects us with each other is, number one, the bridges we build, and number two, the realizations of the things that we cannot accomplish by ourselves. And so, therefore, what I am about to tell you is something that we can only accomplish together. The leadership of this church wants for the Holy Spirit to raise up ministries of individuals. And therefore, instead of having a lot of group programs, we just say, God, do what you will, and we'll try to recognize it and encourage it as we go along. One of the things, though, we have not had a great deal of experience of in the past is working together as a church family when only the church family can accomplish what we need to accomplish. Well, let me go into what we're talking about right now. We're talking about going the next step of the building process here at Northland. Now, let me give you a little background. About 19... I forget what year it was now. 1984. Um, this group of people that had been together like a dozen years and had been, like the Jews, a wandering group, but not having a house, you know, just kind of carrying around their own ark. And by the way, you house in your heart right now the Ark of the Covenant. But they did not want to have a house. And then God spoke to them and said, well, it's time to get a house. And so they did, as was obedient to how they heard the God and, and came out and a group of 200 people bought an old roller skating rink. And very few of you remember that, but it was in horrible disrepair. The price was, I think, $675,000. And here it was. Best money they ever spent, by the way. It was a wonderful decision. Just didn't look like it at the moment. I can remember my first Sunday down here preaching, and there was a dead rat in that wall right over there. And I could, and I still is, that's right. Rest in peace. I can remember getting up saying, you know, don't be embarrassed about this. Any church can smell like flowers. It takes a great group of people to come out and hear a word when they smell a rat, you know? Sorry. I didn't say that last part. But that's who we were. And then when it came time to, to renovate the building, I mean, really get it done right, and, and, and the, the county says, look, you've got you to go through the proper process. You have to have an architect and a construction crew and all that kind of stuff. They really prayed about it because they were already in debt, and that would mean going further in debt. And we hate indebtedness. And I'm going to t talk to that in just a minute. But all the elders fasted and prayed. Should we do this? Should we do it? And the Lord said to all of them, yes. Number one, because a building is not something that you should notice. Now let me say that again. A building is not something you should notice. Either because it's so ugly, you can't help but notice it, or it's so beautiful, it can't help but draw your attention away from the Lord. And so therefore the goal was to renovate the building in such a fashion that we wouldn't notice it anymore. That we could fully give our concentration to God. Now, we are not there yet. 
obviously. We are still playing with a sound system. We've been doing this for three years. You know why? Because that man over there is generous and has given us his equipment. This equipment has been in rock and roll bands and in probably more bars, I hope, than you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, sneak out. No, it won't help. I've named your sin. You can name mine later. But when he, when, he, when he became a Christian, when he gave his life to the Lord, he said, Here, you don't have any equipment. You can use my equipment. Well, stuff's blowing now. We've re- and that's how it was. Anybody who had anything, they brought it. They said, Here, half the chairs when I came here, the folding chairs were out of people's homes. You know? They said, Look, well, you just use my stuff. That's, that's how we'll do it. And that's a, we got these pews that you're sitting on. $275 for all these pews. What a bargain, right? You can tell, too. They weren't upholstered. When they came, somebody in the body who knew how to upholster taught several other women how to upholster, and they upholstered them themselves. Now they're getting to the state again where they're starting to snag clothes and so on and so forth. Well, we need to do the stuff, you know. We need to do what we need to do. Just to practice, take action, you know. Like, the, like when God said, build me a house, everybody said, okay, let's do it, you know. Just the action. That was important. Well, the other thing that I want to tell you that the elders decided at that point, very wise indeed, They said, we will go into debt if the indebtedness can be handled by the people we have right now so that we do not need to grow another person so that everybody who walks through those doors will never be seen as a potential contributor. We will not look at pocketbooks. We will look at people. Very, very wise. Because they made that wise decision, we have accelerated our debt payoff from the growth to where we are now uh, paying, um, I think, three, 30 some hundred dollars per month on the principal and have scheduled 10% increase of that per year that we will be out of debt completely in 1998. So therefore, yeah, we're going to quit it. We're going to quit it. And that is not at all going to be altered because the other decision was we won't go into any more debt. We're not going to, if we don't have it, we're not building it. See? So we are keeping the accelerated debt payoff, but we're also needing to go into some other building projects. Now, let me explain to you the building projects. I already talked about one, the finishing of the renovation of the building. We still are drawing attention to the building because we haven't got it done yet. We, there are things in the sanctuary that obviously need fixing. The, 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 the fellowship hall. Oh, gosh, it's ugly, ugly, ugly room. Oh, dear. We've been sending our poor kids into what looks like a dungeon for the past three years. We're finally getting it fixed up, but oh, my goodness, that's ugly. I can remember brides going in there and going, well, can I have my reception here? Never mind, I'll rent a place, you know? <laughs> it's like, whoa. The building drew attention to itself, and that's not our goal. We just want to to get on par. We want to finish what we've begun here. That's the first part of this new building and development project. The second part is that we want to build a youth multipurpose building to house the kids we already have. Now, please understand, we are going through tremendous growth. Our growth percentage in the last three years in adult worship attendance only has been 4%. 160 percent in the last three years. So therefore, we need to recognize that God's adding to it. We are not, by the way, going out knocking on doors saying, please come to our church. You know, we just say, God, if you give them to us, 
we'll take care of them. And God's just been doing it, so that's what we're trying to do. So please recognize that this is a growth from the Lord. But because of that, we have needs right now. We're not building 10 years from now, but we have needs right now. Last year, we had a, a youth function at Wet n Wild. High schoolers signed up. 400 high schoolers that had connections to this congregation went. We have a youth building that will hold 40. Every week, we rent the gymnasium of First Baptist Longwood in order to house our youth. Plus, we are not having the community ministry that we originally wanted. Plus, we do not have room for the lay, I'm sorry, the uh, life training center classes. We would love to offer a dozen alternatives every week. We have four adult classrooms. So therefore, we have needs that are imperative right now. Now, if you, I'll give you a look at what they're talking about, and then you can ask, please come Wednesday and ask more questions if you have more questions. Put that slide up there. Sorry about this slide. It was supposed to come out black on white. I don't know what happened. But you can just see what we're doing. Turn the lights down just a little um, so that they can see that a little bit better. It's a gymnasium. I personally wanted a weight room. <laughs> but anyhow... Over here we have some offices and kitchens and we can use it for dinners and, and uh, uh, rallies and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and over here we have the classrooms. We have the Life Training Center classrooms or classrooms that can be used for anything during the week. Um, it's just a basic building. Nothing tremendously fancy. There's a stage area and, and so on and so forth. It's just a, in keeping with plain old Northland, it's a plain old building. It will, be, it will function very nicely. So that's what we're talking about. Okay, in addition to that, you can do the lights then. In addition to that, and take down the slide. In addition to that, we need to recognize that God may want to continue to grow us. He certainly hasn't been slowing down recently. And so, therefore, we need to pay attention. We are at five services right now. And I don't mind going to a, maybe a Sunday afternoon service or whatever. I don't, I don't see us ever spending the millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars that it would take for all of us to meet at once. That's just not where we're at. That's not important to us. Uh, what is important is that everybody have an opportunity that wants to worship Christ here. So we can go to maybe a couple of more services, but the old preacher is going to wear out one of these days. And so we need to say, how could we expand even our worship capacity? Very simple. If you take the front of this stage and move the front of this stage back to this wall and move this wall back to whatever proportion that that would be, for a couple of hundred thousand dollars, we could have 300 more spaces in this building. Very economical, very plain. Here we go again. It's the, it, is, it suits our purpose, and it's not building some gargantuan cathedral. It's just... And plus, the land coming available next door, we need to pay attention that if God continues to grow us, and we want to be responsible to what he's sending us, then we need to be able to expand even in that way. So, we are talking about a very simple, common sense, practical, logical, uh, bare bones building um, program and development for the congregation. Now, I know what you're thinking. What are you talking about? How much you, you're not even going to listen to me anymore until I'm going to tell you how much it's going to cost, are you? I knew it. Okay. 
Our best estimates right now is that we can do all of this. We can finish the renovation of this building. We can build a, a youth multipurpose thing. We can expand the sanctuary. We can get money to buy the land for a million and a half dollars. Now, that sounds maybe like a big figure to some of you, although I doubt it. But let me tell you what it really is. If we do not grow another person, if only the people who are going here, only the adults who are going here right now, would give eight dollars a week in less than three years we would have a million and a half dollars beyond what you're giving already now that's very important eight dollars a week roughly the cost of a show and some popcorn you know eight dollars a week that's all we're talking about so it's not a huge figure but it's something that we can all do together now let me before i go on to what what really stokes me about the about the project let me let me say this let me say to you that we will Continue, even though we have this building project, to um, to emphasize and increase our uh, debt reduction efforts. This will not be affected by the building project. Number two, we will not lose sight of the people emphasis that this place has always had. We are not going to go building, building, building all the time, and we are not going to be talking about money all the time. You will know if you've been here for very long. This is maybe the third time in three years we've even talked about money. As a matter of fact, if we have any fault at all, it is that we don't teach enough about money. And that's my fault. I just don't think in those terms. But, but and, and you know from <laughs> coming here, I've had people come here for two months and come up to me red-faced. How do you give to this place? And I say, well, there's a box in back. If you can find it, you can drop something into it. And we just totally underemphasize that. We are not going to change that emphasis, but what we are going to do is we are going to um, pull together on this project. Now, this is important that you know this. All of the funds that we get will always run through the general fund first. You know why? Because we don't want to get all excited about a building project and not be able to pay the missionary in Bolivia. We do not, that is not our character. We do not want to be working for curtains in the sound room out there when there's somebody in this body who can't get their electric bill paid that month. That is not the character of this body. Therefore, all of the funds will run through the general budget. That's why it is so important to maintain... We, are, we, have, a, we have a level of giving right now that is answering the general budget needs. If we answer that and add $8 per individual per week on top of that, then we can, we can do everything we need to do. Okay, now let me tell you how preachers think, now that I've explained the practical stuff to you. And I'm not, I'm not very good at that. You really do need to come Wednesday if you want more details. Let me tell you what excites me. Number one, I guess what excites me more than anything about this is I am able to do for someone else what someone else did for me. I didn't pay for this building. I didn't pay to organize a congregation so that I could come and worship I didn't pay for these pews. I've, I've not. There were people who went before me in this congregation who I will forever be indebted to who are no longer here. Many of you don't know names like Lyle Nelson and, and Mim Payne and, and Marv Mingle and people who gave their lives, really, to build a place for us to come and worship God. We are forever indebted to people like that because they gave way beyond where they 
to suit their own needs. They gave for us. I want to do that for somebody else. And I want us to do that for somebody else. And by the way, before I forget this, I'm not very organized this morning. If you don't have $8 a week, don't you worry about it. Don't feel accused. Don't feel guilty. All you need to do is say, God, if you'll give me $8, I'll give it back to you. That's all you have to do. And if you don't have it, listen, there are others, myself included, who not only want to go the second mile ourselves, but who would love to take somebody with us. And therefore, if you don't have $8, don't worry about it, because somebody else may have $16. And they may be able to carry you that week. That's what a church family is for. So please, and if you have $16, then you can not only go the second mile, but carry somebody with you. And that a neat, that's a neat thing, see? So please, no guilt. That's not where we're at. No guilt. That's from the other side. If you, if, if you carry any guilt, let it be legitimate guilt because you sinned, not because you didn't give your dues. I hate that. Oh, I, I feel bad. I don't have my $8. I really can't worship this week. Please, please leave that at home. And let the rest of us help you out. There may be some time we don't have $8. And you can get, you know, that's how, that's how family works. Okay, where was I? Oh, being able to give. As we have been given to. That excites me. I want to build a place where people can come to know God long after I'm gone and nobody even remembers my name anymore. We stand on the shoulders of those who have come before us. And we need to contribute to those who will come after us. Number two. It is important for us, even though I have a terrible deficiency in the whole area of preaching about money, it is important for us to dedicate our finances to God because they're His finances. Number one, that's where we live. When I, when I counsel pre, uh, in premarital uh, counseling, and I don't do it very much anymore, most of the uh, marriages are done by the other pastors here, but when I do, I say to people, there are two things that you will talk about almost every day of your marriage. And you may well argue about them. One is child-rearing, and the other is finances. That's where we live. You understand? That's where we live. So therefore, if we don't have an idea how we are going to use our finances to lay up treasures in heaven, how, how we are going to include the source of those finances in the distribution of those finances, God is left out of a major part of our lives. And so therefore, this gives us another opportunity to include Him in what He wants to be included in. Number three, I, like I said before, we want to do something as a church family. Right now, we get stoked as individuals. Right now, the Holy Spirit talks about raising us up in individual ministries. But there's something I just love to do that we can't do without each other. Everybody doing something together, you know? Everybody pitching in so that everybody has a place where they can say, yeah, I participate there. Even though I haven't found my ministry yet or haven't found my group yet or maybe not even found a good friend there yet, I still participate. I still am a part of it and they still need me. That's a very important thing. And number four, this is the most important of all because it comes in 1 Chronicles 29:16. It is the prayer, the process through which we want to do this. It's not human fundraisers. Let's not have car washes for Jesus. I mean, there's all good-hearted things, but we, but we don't want to have a carnival to raise money for such and such. 
What we want to do is we want to witness God building this building. We want to make sure that we know He is the source. He is the motivation for giving. He is the receiver. He is the builder. And He is the harvest that comes within the ministry that operates within that building. If we could come to 1 Chronicles 29.16 and live that out in our hearts, and all of our attributes go to God, and three years from now, or whatever time it is from now, we look at it and say, look what God has done. Then we will know what worship is. And we will know what a Christian perspective on the world is. It's not how we're pulling together. It's how God is pulling us together to use us and to manifest himself to the world. Now would you pray with me? Lord, sometimes you just want to teach us something practical. There are no great biblical principles to strike us with their novelty. There's just something you've said again and again and again over the years to us. Come and let me use you. Let me build a house for my people that they can come and learn. And let me give to you what I want you to give back to me so that my kingdom may come in this world. Father, we ask you for that right now. Give to us so that we may give back to you. Let us cooperate with your spirit. We pray. One more thing, Lord. This is crazy, but I, I feel like I feel the necessity to pray for this. This is not at all about salvation. But someone here may have come today, and my spirit says did come today, to meet you and to turn their lives over to you. And even though this message has nothing to do with evangelism, that's what they're here for. Right now, if you would pray with me, Lord God, I want to come to you. I want to quit running my own life. I want to to have you come and live in my heart. Please do that. And make of my life whatever you want. To you I say, today salvation has come to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.